So uh, let me just pray for you and we'll jump into it. Would you bow? Father, uh, uh, this morning I just pray, uh, if there be any of us, men or dads, that we have taken the responsibility and role as a spiritual mentor, uh, as somebody who's to build into our kids. If, if we've done, if we've taken it lightly in any way this morning, or if we're just feeling like we're, we're, we're just behind, Father, this morning, could, just, could this be a blessing? Could it be an encouragement? Could it be a hope-filled time um, where you inspire us? We pray it in your son's name. Amen. So you might know uh, if you watch a lot of television or, or you, you just have kind of followed current culture, you might know that it's seemingly society today is telling us that fathers are not nearly as necessary. That, that would seemingly be a message that we're receiving. Uh, in fact, if you look to Hollywood and, and, um, and sadly, uh, many of us, that's where we, we get our, the way we, we might want to live out our life. Single motherhood, is, it's not a regrettable situation. In fact, uh, I want to say, first of all, that I mean, we've got single moms here in the church, and uh, you're some of the bravest women I know uh, here in the church with what you do and what you have to, to take care of uh, over the course of the week. And, like, sometimes I sit and watch you single moms, and, like, I can almost see the switch when you're, like, in mom mode and dad mode. You know, like, I see it in the hallway, uh, how you do it, um, at least those traditional modes. Um, but that doesn't change the fact how s- significant fathers are, and the Bible actually teaches us there. The New York Times uh, editorial cultural critic, Karen James, she encourages women to pursue motherhood without a husband. In one of our articles, she says, women who want children do not need or necessarily want a husband. But get this how she says it, underfoot. Um, Basically, underfoot, I'm thinking uh, that it, it mirrors this, that fathers are often portrayed as not only unnecessary or inessential, but they often are even seen as life's interruption. In fact, if you watch many shows today, fathers are either not in the, the shows or were often portrayed as bumbling idiots. Can I just tell you men this morning, I want to be serious with you. We're not bumbling idiots. Now, some of you might sit there and you might joked in your head or you might have uh, tapped your spouse and said, well, some of the times. Um, no, seriously, men, we're not bumbling idiots. In fact, God has called us to a central, significant role. If God has made you a father today, then God has called you to a powerful role to play in your family. And so let's play it, men. Let's do the role. Let's do it well. We're certainly not this. And and though it it may be that, that we, as much as we might look at our culture and we might just kind of kick up our feet and go with the flow, here's a few stats that we have to deal with and we need to figure out how to deal with. 85% of youth in prison grow up in fatherless homes. 90% of homeless or runaway children are from fatherless homes. 71% of high school dropouts are from fatherless homes. And 62% of youth suicides grow up in fatherless homes. Now, uh, there may be other factors in play in all of that, but those stats are something we look at and we say, we, we we need to deal with that. And we need to look at that, how essential and important it is to have a father in the home or at least a man who is willing to build into people as well. And so as a church this morning, one of the things that when we look at is, is reaching men, reaching men. Now, we have no interest in being male dominant in any, uh, any way. In fact, uh, if you look at our church attendance, uh, we fit 
close to some of the national norm where a bit more uh, women attend our church than men attend uh, our church. We have women on staff at our church because that's important. In fact, we're a denomination that ordains women to be, to be ministers, preachers, head pastors of churches. We have no problem with that at all. We feel like the Bible is wide open to women in these roles. But there's a central role that a dad plays in the home that's important. And we shouldn't take it lightly. In fact, we'll find that in God's Word, one of the dominant metaphors from the beginning of God's Word all the way through is that of a father and what a father does. We just sang about it in terms of God as our father. More importantly, though, the Bible teaches about characteristics of a father as well. I want to tell you a few things here uh, you may or may not have known. 90% of men in America say they believe in God. So 90%, 9 out of 10, that's a pretty good number that would say we believe in God. 83% of men say they're Christians. So I believe in God and then others would identify themselves as Christian, a few less. 33% though of men say they attended church once in a while. And yet some experts say it's close to about 15% of, of men who go to church on any given weekend. Men, there is a powerful role that God teaches us to play. God has no interest in men and you being chauvinistic. He has no interest in you being like the dominant sex. That's not a a teaching of God's word. But he has a role he wants you to play. He wants you to play it well and he wants to teach you it well. And so if we take some of those stats, if we were to play out the stats I just shared with you, I would tell you this morning that sometimes men were not looking in the right place for what God wants to teach us. And so this morning, I want to just share with you a couple things we see in God's Word that I think are essential to the role that that God wants men to play, and we see uh, men play, especially as we build it into our kids. Now, let me say this morning, this does not necessarily mean uh, men only, women can't play this role in any way. Uh, But we certainly see in God's word, we're wired this way as men. The first one is, uh, God wants us to be adventurous, men. Adventurous. A risk taker. Uh, We find in in God's word, you might remember the story of of David. He's just a young teenage boy, and he shows up to a fight one day. In fact, this is the way it's going down. The whole army of the Lord is standing and looking at what they call giants. And they decided, we can't do anything about this. This little punk teenager, it would seem, pops onto the scene and says, well, I'll go take him on. I got no problem doing that right now. Here's what it's recorded in 1 Samuel 17. David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off the sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by the hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. Because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Listen, this is, this is not like playing a little game, right? And you decide, all right, I'm just going to go all for it here. And this is life or death. And this young guy, this teenage boy, jumps in the middle of the army of God and says, you guys just hang out, I'll take care of this right here. And we find that God honors it. He says, look, I killed the bear. I killed the lion. Verse 37, he says, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of of the Philistine. In other words, I killed them. I'll kill this guy too. I'll take him down. 
And we find exactly that's what happened in this story. John Eldridge, he's the author of a a book called Wild at Heart. He actually says this, every young man has a desperate drive for three things. A battle to fight, an adventure to live, and a beauty to rescue. Um, I I, I rescued a a lot of beauties in my head during high school. Um, It sounded really exciting the night before, but, you know, like I couldn't even talk to her the next day. Um, But there's something wired it's why we're drawn to these things, and even sometimes these movies, it's gladiators and Bravehearts and Rocky Balboas and, of course, the greatest of all time, Die Hard. Um, I think God's looking for men of adventure, men that are willing to take a risk for his kingdom. That there are things in life that I think as men, if I lined you up right now and I said, tell me about your risk. Tell me about the things that you just stepped out in adventure. I mean, you would, you would share crazy things about skydiving and bungee jumping and, um, and rock jumping and um, whatever kind of crazy things you might have done, right? And God says, why not for my kingdom? Like, why not as a follower of Christ will you say, I'll, I'll do it. I'm taking those risks. Yesterday, uh, as we were up in Indiana Westland and my son was registering for college, which I was trying to sit there and to be a strong man and not to cry as I'm sitting there at the registration table with him. But we learned that the physics professor had just come back from a missions trip. And it was not a soft missions trip. I mean, this was an adventure-filled, risky mission trip that he went on in the Middle East. And it was pretty interesting to hear the stories why not for God's kingdom, men? How about with, with, with our kids? God wants us to, to be a risk taker. Now, not risk taker in the sense that we normally think. Like when mom turns her head, we do something crazy that we never want her to see. Um, but launching out and teaching them about Christ, taking them along for the journey about how to serve in his kingdom, those type of things. Secondly, I think God wants us men in his word. He teaches us to be authentic, to be real men. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 2.10, you are witnesses and so is God of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you. What's he saying? That if you look at holy, righteous, blameless, like that's authenticity. I'm saying, this, I'm saying this is the real me. This is what we're trying to live out. In fact, the word authenticity and integrity, did you know this? In the New Testament, same word. So like if you live a life of integrity, you're living a life of authenticity is what the word says. It means our life is integrated. It means like we're, we're complete or whole. We're consistent. We live out this So what are some of these ways, men, that we can be consistent or we can be authentic in our Christian life? Well, the first one's quite simple, and you know it well. We've simply got to walk the talk, right? We've got to be what we say we are. I mean, if we tell our children never to lie, right, and yet we get the phone call or the knock at the door and our kid happens to answer it, and then we kind of whisper, hey, tell them I'm not here. That's inconsistent. It's not authentic. It sends a message to them. Or if we wear our WWJD, do we wear those bracelets anymore? Do you remember those back in the day? Ray, you remember. You sold them, huh? Yeah. Uh, if we wear our What Would Jesus Do bracelets and uh, we're wearing that around our workplace, you know, because we want to be proud in the workplace about our faith, um, but we're uh, taking work supplies home with us, you know, a few things here or there we just take because I need something at home. Uh, that's not consistent. It doesn't play out. There's a lot of little boxes to check on the tax form. It's really easy to check which ones you want to check sometimes, right? Fill out the form you want to fill in. There, walking the talk. 
I mean, if we just have the most amazing worship time right here, right? But we get in a near fight in the parking lot trying to get out. Uh, maybe that's not the problem here. Uh, but uh, we, we, we've got a little bit of a, a problem. Or what if we talk about how terrible immorality is today in our culture, right? Yet if stats were to play out, two out of five men regularly watch pornography. Those things aren't consistent. They don't play out. They're not that biblical term of authentic, consistent with what we say. Second thing, I think with our kids especially, is we've got to keep our promises. Dad, when we uh, promise our kids, when we tell our kids uh, what we'll do, We've got to carry out. And I'd love to tell you that I've just learned this from reading stats and doing studies and things like that. But unfortunately, this one, I've learned it from living it. You know what I'm talking about? Where I've said we're going to do this and we don't do this. And it took me a few times to realize what it would do to my kids. It also hampers what they think about my authenticity and my, my realness in their life. Because I just can't quite hang on with what I say. So we've got to keep our promises. Like when we say to our, our child, and probably or maybe or perhaps, you know, you know what they hear. Yes, 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 yes. So we either got to do a real good job teaching what the word perhaps means, um, or we're going to choose a different way to communicate there. But when we do communicate yes in any way, I'll be at your school program. I'll be at your game. I'll be there to pick you up. That we follow through. The Bible says this on a subject like this. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Do you know what that verse is really saying there? It's saying don't clamber on with the I promise, I promise, I will, I will, you know, cross my heart, hope to die, you know, that kind of thing. It's just saying say yes and do it. Your yes should be good enough if you say yes because you're living authentically and living with integrity there. So uh, we want to be adventurous and authentic, but finally, men, uh, we need to be available. Uh, This is the crucial thing with our kids, is to be available. Men, there is no incredible honor in working your tail off day after day after day away from your kids and not being able to spend time with your kids. You see, there's moments in our life where where God might put us in a position where there's a season of that type of work. But if you carry that out month after month, year after year, there's going to be trouble in your relationship with your kids because we need to be available. We've got to show up to make a difference in the life of our kids. So we've got to be available to our family, first of all. I think if I were to preach a message on family throughout the year, 52 weeks, every single week I could preach on this verse and we would be doing just fine. Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 7 These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Available to our families. That's what we need to be. Here's a few ways we can be available to our family, men. Be intentional. Be intentional about it. Speak to your kids. There's this little uh, scene in the movie classic in my book, at least What About Bob? There's a a little scene where Dr. Leo Marvin needs to apologize to uh, Bob Wiley, and he doesn't want to do it. But being forced with his family, he walks down this little hill to this outdoor shower where Bob is lathering up, and, and he looks at Bob, and he just goes, hmm? And Bob looks back and goes, hmm, And that's it. That's the apology. Like, that what was communicated right there was, I'm sorry, I didn't mean it, I won't do it again. And Bob said, no problem, it's fine, we're past it. 
And that's great for a movie, right? It's good for a movie scene. It's funny. I, I, I laugh about that kind of... Sometimes I'm in the shower and I'm thinking uh, about that, that scene. That's too much information, isn't it? Uh, but guys, in real life, that doesn't work. It doesn't work. You've got to be more intentional with your family. Intentional. Spending the time, blocking out the time, making it a priority to be with them. Here's another thing is, is uh, we've got to be informal about t- how we instill our values and teach our kids. Meaning that it's not always about uh, just doing a, a lesson with our kids. It's about just teaching them as we go. Everywhere we go, whatever we run into, we would say, uh, I want to teach you something. I want to ask you a question. Hey, you know, my family never, this might surprise you, they never at home ask me if I might preach a sermon for them. Like, they've ne- you know, I have one of these at home, this kind of wood thing. A plant is sitting on it. Like, they never remove the plant and put this in the little room and say, Dad, could you just give us three points on a passage? You know, uh, but what instead we can do is when we look how to, how to transport, transfer biblical values around, we just look at how we run into things. You're in the store, right, and you see some disrespectful kids maybe mouthing off to their parents. You pull your kids aside and say, hey, what do you think that looks like? What, what do you think's going on there? Or if you're eating together and, um, and you, know, uh, you see a family bowing their head in prayer, would you say, what do you think about that? Um, just little times where you can teach. You're watching a movie and uh, there's, you're, you're a sports show and you see million-dollar athletes, bad sportsmanship, spewing for profanity. That's your time to build into your kids, to teach them what's, what's going on in that situation, being informal. Finally, be inspirational. One of my favorite stories of youth is a time where Mark Lightfoot and I were riding in the car and his dad and him were in a little spat. And his dad was doing one of those times where he, is, he was uh, building into his kid in a very strong way at that moment. And I happened to be the friend riding along, which is, you know, in those situations, you just keep your mouth shut and your head out the window and, uh, and move along and let the dad make his point. So I'm looking out the window and, and looking at the things going by and one of the things going by was a church and there was a sign on the church. Sometimes people like to be really clever with the little phrases they put on church signs. And so I'll remember this one my whole life. It said, the way of the slug, and then in parentheses, erd, is always dirty. Meaning, I guess, uh, if you're going to be a sluggard in your life, you're going to be like a slug in the ground, and your, your life's always messy and dirty. Um, it's never going to be smooth. I guess that's what it meant. But I'll remember it word for word. But here's the funny part of the story. As I'm keeping my mouth closed, and, uh, and Steve Lightfoot has given it to Mark Lightfoot, right? And I'm reading a church sign. Steve, in the middle of his speech to his son, says, Because, Mark, the way of the sluggard is always dirty, He was being inspirational to his son in that moment, looking for a way to impact his his kid with a phrase or or an experience. Um, We can do the same thing, man. Teach your kids in a way that's inspirational. Take them to things that will impact them and will speak into their lives in ways that will be uncommon and different. Be inspirational to them. Now, you might say, man, today, but... I just don't know that much about God's word. I, I, some of this stuff is still new. And I'll tell you what was taught to me one time in a baseball clinic had nothing to do with Jesus Christ, right? When the question was asked of the person teaching, you know, what if you're still trying to figure out some of the stuff? And the guy from the stage said, teach what you know. Teach what you know and just keep learning. 
and then keep teaching what you know as you're learning. Men, do the same thing with your family. Teach your kids what you know about God's word now. And then tomorrow morning when you wake up and you, you give God the first few moments of your day, you'll just have learned something new to teach your kids as well. But just teach, keep teaching them. How about a night a week in your family where you turn off the TV, turn off the phones, halt your schedule, say we're not doing meetings this, this, this night, and you spend some time as a family, play games or whatever you might do in your family. Be inspirational. You know, it's, it's good to be available to your family, man, but you're going nowhere in instilling Christian values if you're not available to God. And this is significant. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. He'll make your paths work straight, easier, if we search him out. Dad, can I just give you a, a few practical ways that you can really depend on God throughout your week? Here's the first one. Give him first place in your heart. That means, uh, men... If you have not solidified that Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life, if you've not said, Jesus, come into my life, be the Lord of my life, I want to serve you and live for you, and your, your kids have not heard that from you, that's where you start. That you say, I'm going to play my first place. God is going to be surrendering my life to him and have him be the Lord of my life. I want to make that declaration. I mean, you could, uh, even this morning, you don't even need me to walk you through anything. You could simply make that declaration in your life today. The Bible actually says in an instant you're a child of God when we make that declaration. If your kids don't know that, if you need to make that declaration before them, then do it so they know he's number one in your heart. Here's the second thing is give him the first hour of every day. Now you might go, hour? Goodness gracious. Give him some time of every day. Opening up your day and going into God's word. Men, for a second, can I just say, could we just get off of saying we're too busy for this? I mean, we're all busy. And this is what I've learned. When we tell each other we're busy, none of us really care. Um, we all get done what we want to get done, right? It's so significant. Like if I were to say to you this morning, and maybe to myself as well, well, you know, you find the time to, you know, pay the light bill, don't we? We, we find the time to take care of getting the trash out to the road. Or, and we would respond, well, I, yeah, Tom, but I have to do those things. I mean, those are like mandatory. Exactly. Point made. If we're, if we're going to instill values in our kids, if we're going to be the men that God's called us to be and play this role— we got to look at this as a have to. Spending time with God daily and see what impact it brings our life. This week, TC cleaned up his room, like crazy cleanup of his room here. And it, I mean, it was so spotless clean. Um, and he was laying in bed that night um, and I was in the room and he said, oh no, it was the next morning. And I, I said something to him about you sleep good or whatever. And he said, yeah, I, I was, it was weird. While I was kind of like sleeping or trying to go to sleep, I could feel how clean the room was. <laughs> I, was I was like, I, I guess I kind of understand. I mean, it was, yeah. Um, I don't even know where I was going with that story. It was just a good, it was just a good story. Hey, when, when, when we spend time with God like that, it, 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 there's an impact. And there's, there's, maybe I'm going to say there's a cleanliness that comes to our life. Can I tie it in that way? I'll move on to the next point. All right. Hey, men, can I just challenge you in this? Give them the first dime of every dollar. The, the Bible teaches us what to do with our finances, 
how to manage our finances. The Bible teaches us the simple principle of tithe, but then it also teaches us nonstop principles of how to use our money, how to be wise with our money, and what to take care of, take care of the things in the home, and, and take care of, of those around us, and how to serve. And do you know where that starts? Almost always statistics tell us that when tithing breaks down in the home, or giving to the Lord, it starts with a man. It's often the man making the decision to say, you know, we don't have it this month, or we can't give this, or, or whatever. If we want to build into our kids, then it starts with us men to say how we spend our money, what we're said we give to the Lord, what we give to our household, what we give to our, our fun, our play, how we serve other people, setting that tone with that. Now, the best way is when you're, your husband and wife, you're kind of unified and you're working through that together. But oftentimes, stats would tell us that it's men who stifle the giving to the Lord. And so I encourage you and challenge you in that area. Finally, uh, give God first consideration in every opportunity. Men, lead your family to a life of service, serving other people, being a blessing to other people. We were driving home last night from Indiana, and we had drove nine hours or so, and it was I was actually on the stretch between Kernersville and Greensboro. What is that, the last 14 minutes of the journey, right? And there was a car in front of me that got next to another car in front of me, you know, lane, lane, and they went the same speed. It wasn't the speed I was hoping to go. Oh. And after nine plus hours and really 18 plus hours of driving over the course of about 40-hour trip, um, and I'm a pretty patient driver, I said, could we please step on the gas? <laughs> and Shree made a comment about uh, that I finally said something uh, about, um, about uh, complaining about that. Um, but guys, if we're giving God the first consideration every opportunity, it makes an impact on our kids. Like everything we do, like we're, we're being an impact in our kids, like how we drive, what we do, how we serve people, how we're an encourager, are we not an encourager? All those type of things. Every opportunity in front of us. When you go to your kid and you say, hey, I want to let you guys know that um, mom and I are going to step out of service once a month because we're going to serve down the hall with the kids program. That's an impact on your kids. I mean, they probably can't stand up on their maturity level and tell you the impact it is on them and the difference it's going to make in their life. But we do that. Lead your kids that way. Finally, I want to conclude by, by this. Men, rally your family around the word of God. Bring your family to church every week and build into your family that way. Latch on to some men that you can be accountable to. So significant in your life. Men, I want to um, invite you in just a few minutes to be prayed for. Um, but as, uh, as Brian comes up and I've invited him to sing this song, I want you to think about something in the phrase that I want to pray over you in just a few minutes. The phrase is this, is I'm a man of God and I will lead my family in a way that honors him. I want you to reflect on that word. We're actually going to look at a few images while this song is being sung, but I want you to reflect on the phrase, I'm a man of God, and I will lead my family in a way that honors him. And then at the end of the song, I want to I close our service a little bit different. I'm going to invite dads to stand, and I'm going to pray over you to close our service. And when I say amen, I mean, like, we'll be done. You can go on your way and get dad to the, the, the restaurant of his choice today or whatever is happening for Father's Day. But I want to make sure every, every dad is covered in prayer. 
Your phrase is on the screen. I want you to reflect as Brian sings this song to us. I'm a man of God. I'll lead my family in a way that honors him.
So dads, would you stand for a moment? We'd like to lift you up in prayer. Father, we'd like to challenge you, challenge you to be men of integrity, to men of